Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. Well, if you would please open your Bibles to the book of Habakkuk. We're going to start just by looking at the ending. In Habakkuk chapter 3, beginning in verse 17. For many of us, this is a familiar passage. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. That is for the director of music on my stringed instruments. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. I want you to imagine, just try to imagine, that as you looked at contemporary culture, you were distressed by what you saw. It seemed that all around you, people were engaging in all kinds of sin and delighting in it in the whole entertainment industry had become about the promotion of evil. And the government was in the hands of people who are wicked, doing terrible things, lying all the time, promoting stuff that's bad, trying to squash what's good. And it seems like people are not only doing these things, but they're getting away with it. And so you cry out to the Lord and you say, Oh God, Why do I have to look at this mess? Why do I have to see all this evil stuff? It's terrible. It's just making me sick. Lord, aren't you going to do something about this? And God says, oh, yes. I have a plan. You're going to be amazed. I am going to raise up that atheist regime, the communists in China. And I am going to enable them to make a strike against the United States that will be utterly devastating. And they are going to be my instruments in coming in here and really punishing all those wicked people. I'm not sure I understand. Isn't that what you'd say? It's what I'd say. God, atheists? You're going to use the atheists to punish us? We may not do what you say, but at least we believe in you. Please look at Habakkuk chapter 1. This is the oracle that Habakkuk, also pronounced Habakkuk, the oracle that Habakkuk, the prophet, received. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? 
or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Please notice this is not something that it says Habakkuk composed. It says this is something Habakkuk received. This is the oracle he received, not his own invention. Secondly, his complaint to God is about the evil and injustice that surrounds him. And God's response is astonishing. God even says it's astonishing. Look at verse 5 through 11. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like a vulture swooping to devour. They all come bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They deride kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. They build earthen ramps and capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own strength is their God. I'm having a hard time regarding that as an answer to my prayer. I, can you understand? God says these people are wicked. They're arrogant. They're ruthless. And they're successful. And God says, I'm the one raising them up. I'm the one giving them success. They think it's them. They worship themselves and their own strength. But the fact of the matter, God says, I'm the one who's raising up the Babylonians. Um, let's try again. That's what Habakkuk does. He says, I, I, I'm, I'm going I'm to try again. Verse 12 through chapter 2, verse 1. Oh, Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we will not die. Oh, Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. Oh, Rock, you have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Why, then, do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You have made men like fish in the sea, like sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet, and so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net, he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net 
destroying nations without mercy? I will stand my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. You see, in chapter 2, beginning in verse 2 and running through verse 20, God promises that judgment is coming. God promises that there will come a day when he will make all things right, when the wicked will be destroyed. God says, this is for a future time. The judgment isn't immediate. The Babylonians coming, that's immediate, okay? Habakkuk is going to experience that in his own life. But the final judgment, that's out there in the future. God says, but don't be mistaken. Even though you have to wait, it's going to happen. There will be a final judgment. There will be a final act where God makes all things right. Now, meanwhile, wicked people are going to rise up and fall. They're going to do their thing and then their life is over. Kingdoms come and go. But everybody, one day, has to stand before God. And that is certain. Folks, it's a great privilege for me to be able to come each evening and bring God's Word on these stations. I am so thankful that I have the opportunity to do that. But if you listen regularly, you know that my life day-to-day is involved in trying to minister to kids who come from very difficult situations. I want to ask you to please help us. Contact us at wvr.org and find out how you can be part of the miracle. wvr.org. Please help us help these children. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is So, in chapter 3, Habakkuk prays again. And it's very clear this whole thing is a song. And at the end, he says, now, this is to be done with all the instruments, okay? This, this This is a song to learn and a song to sing. And he describes his vision in chapter 3 of God's judgment on the earth and then concludes with that beautiful model prayer that instructs us not only how to pray, but how to live. But if you think about this pattern that we see in Habakkuk, it reminds us of a number of other situations in the Scriptures where it seemed like when God went to work on behalf of His people, Circumstances got worse. Do you remember in the New Testament, the little boy who was demon-possessed? And his father had asked the disciples to cast out the demon, and they were unable to do so. 
And so Jesus says, bring the boy to me. And when they bring the boy to Jesus, the demon throws him down on the floor, and now we've got a very dramatic presentation of the problem, and Jesus starts talking about the father, about his medical history. How long has he been like this? And the father quickly gives a synopsis and says, and if you can do anything, please help us. And Jesus says, if? If I can? All things are possible for him who believes. And the man makes that famous statement, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And Jesus commands the demon to come out. And the demon causes such a horrible manifestation in that child that when the manifestation ends, the boy appears to be dead. Everybody looking thinks he's dead. And that's what it looks like. That's not what we were looking for. It's not what we were praying for. This is not what we wanted. This is not good. This is not the way it's supposed to happen. And Jesus reaches and raises him up. And he's not only alive, but he's whole and he's free. The gospel says, and Jesus continued to teach his disciples about the fact that he was going to die and on the third day rise again. Jesus was teaching them. And in order for us to be saved, it was going to have to look like everything was lost. In order for us to be rescued from the wrath of God that we deserve, God was going to become one of us. And so when he came at Christmas, he didn't exactly look like a deliverer. What is the hope of our salvation? you got to be kidding me. A baby? Really? This, this is our hope? This is what we've been waiting for. But it gets better. He grows up. All right. And, and then he starts to do amazing things. Absolutely miraculous things. All right. He even raises Lazarus from the dead. Woohoo! And so they have a big parade as he enters Jerusalem. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now we're getting somewhere. Rome has dominated us long enough. And within the week, he's dead on a Roman cross. That is not what we were voting for. That is not why we organized. When we were putting palm branches down, we had different things in mind. It wasn't supposed to lead to Calvary. Oh, but it was. It was. The only way for us to be rescued, the only way that we could be saved, was for Jesus to die, to take our place. Impossible. So you got the guys on the road to Emmaus. And they're going along just totally depressed. Jesus suddenly appears and walks up beside him and says, Hey, what you talking about? <laughs> they said, Are you the only one who doesn't know what just happened in Jerusalem? And he says, Tell me about it. He said, Well, Jesus was this amazing prophet who did miracles. And, and we, we really hoped 
that he was going to be the one who would save us. You see, when God does what God does, a lot of the time it doesn't look so promising. Because it's not what we envisioned. It's not what we planned. It's not what we were hoping. It was, it's just, I would never have scripted it that way. You understand? If God came to me at any point in the scriptures and said, what do you think I ought to do next? I would not come up with what he did next. You know, that, this, it, it just, Joseph gets thrown in a pit and sold into slavery. Finally, is starting to work his way out of his bad situation and he gets accused of a crime because he wouldn't commit a crime. Because he did the right thing, He's accused of a crime, and he's thrown in prison. I I would have just, I would have said, no, that's a terrible story. (laughs) Please don't do it that way. But God is doing things his way. God is working his purpose out as year succeeds to year. God is working his purpose out, and the time is drawing near. Nearer and nearer draws the time, the time that shall surely be when the earth shall be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. The person who wanted me to learn that song was Corrie ten Boom, because she had lived that song. She'd been through what was so wrong the only member of her family to survive Nazi concentration camp. God takes things that we would never, never allow and uses them for good, for beauty, to bring life to countless people. So Habakkuk, writes this song, which is given to him by God. This is the oracle he received. Begin in verse 16 now of chapter 3. He has seen the vision of God's judgment and God's victory. In Habakkuk 3, 16 and following, we read this. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. That's the promise. What are we going to do? when it looks like everything's falling apart, when it looks like catastrophe has already struck and more is coming, what are we going to do? I will rejoice in the Lord. 
I will be joyful in God my Savior. Well, I'm sorry, I can't just turn it on. Are you filled with His Spirit? Or are you living in the flesh and letting your circumstances and your emotions control your behavior? This is a decision that the prophet makes and God gives him this as a message for us about how we're to live. We're not to base our behavior on how we feel. So, how can I just make myself feel joyful? It doesn't say feel joyful. It says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. It's not about how we feel. God calls us, when we feel fear, to be courageous. God calls us, when we want to avoid the truth, to be truthful. God calls us when, humanly, we really don't care about that person's problem to do caring things about that person's problem. God calls us to love one another. Not talking about feelings. Well, who do you suppose God is calling you right now to love? And what does it mean to love them? Sometimes, loving somebody means doing something that they will not appreciate. Okay? What Habakkuk is telling us is what God is telling us. And that is that even when there's an enemy army that is anti-God, God's at work. And he uses even that for our good. He's working all things together for the good, for those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. All things. And so when it looks like a disaster, have you had one thing after another, after another, after another, and it's like, oh, God, what in the world? Moses spent 40 years in the court of Pharaoh and then ended up having to run for his life. And he had to spend another 40 years working for his father-in-law, taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. They were in a desolate place. But when he was 80 years old, God says, okay, I've got a job for you now. And at that point, he was like, no thanks, I'm, I'm, I'm basically wanting to retire. Thank you very much. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been out here 40 years. And I left Egypt in the prime of my life. I'm now 80 years old. And... <clears throat> You, you need to get somebody else to do that job. God says, I want you. Moses says, if you like old people, give the job to my brother Aaron. He's older than I am. God says, Aaron can be involved, but you're my choice. I've got a job for you. You know what happened? Well, yeah, you know what happened because you go to church. You read your Bibles. Moses had another 40 years. And most of it, was spent walking around in the desert waiting for people to die. I would never have written the story like that. You know, I mean, I would, you know, well, at least, you know, there's that happy scene at the end where he gets to go into the promised land. No, no, he missed that out too. Okay. Really, you're kidding. No, because he disobeyed God. And this business of obeying God is a really big deal. That's what God says. Obedience. 
is a matter of life and death. Well, don't we all sin? Yes. And that's why we celebrate what Jesus did. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Don't you know that as many of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We can't just continue in sin. We have to repent. Abiding in Christ is paid for by the generous donations of listeners like you. We are grateful for gifts of any amount. You can make a donation online at wvr.org. That's wvr.org. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.